Hey everyone, this is Heavy Lifting with Uncle Gary, the weekly podcast for a stronger biblical worldview, exclusively on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Gary, uh, well, first of all, we are recording this on April 22nd, so happy Earth Day. Oh, <laughs> well, good. Uh, you know, we should be happy about the Earth. And uh, unfortunately, the evolutionists and the atheists see it just as a big ball in the sky. Right. And we take it as something where God specifically, specifically uh, put his creation here and all the redemptive significance of that, of that creation. And we're really, Christians should be the, the, the most— The greatest stewards of, yeah, of exactly. the Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, having dominion over the earth doesn't mean to, to, to spoil the earth. Right. It means to care for it. And I was just reading something uh, recently about—there's a documentary out, out about the soil. Okay. Uh, and I think Woody Harrelson, I, th- I don't know if he narrates it, but it's about the earth. Okay. And how it contributes you know, to life. We think about the air and so forth and the water, water but, yeah. the, but, the earth, but the earth itself. And I think that that's a important consideration that we should be the best stewards of of the earth because uh, you know God has gifted this to us, right. and as a gift, you should honor it, take care of it, uh, and use it for its full potential. Which in fact, yeah. Christians have done in the past. Of course, there've been ten, tens and tons and tons of abuses of that over the years as well. Yeah, and if you think about about the the Old Testament laws. Every seventh year was a Sabbath for the land. Yeah, let it rest. Let it rest. I mean, and, and that's and that's not only just a, a a theological principle. That's a very practical principle that it, it allows the the earth to recollect nutrients and 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 be profitable for the next for the next six yeah. years. There, there's a uh, a series uh, on the the dust the dust bowl. Right. Um, who was the was it Burns? Ken Burns. Yeah, Ken yeah. Burns. It's it's based on a. On a book that that I can't I can't remember I I read I read years ago it's a it's a really good book but it's really uh, yeah there was the, it was it was really the raping of the land yeah, everybody was... needs to watch it I told my my son and daughter in law about it and their and their kids and the, they're ten years and under and they watched it they were fascinated by yeah. it yeah it really is it's a it's a very interesting history of what happened with the Great Plains right. Uh, where they they you know they saw this as they're going to plant wheat and all that sort of thing and the devastation that took place as a result of that and then going in there and reconfiguring the way that you plow the land mm-hmm. um, makes a huge difference. I think the word plow is in this in, in the title of that book. Um, something in the plow. Yeah, can't I can't. I, I can't remember. And a lot of Woody Guthrie's uh, songs yeah. are from from that era. Uh, so it's again uh, stewardship. George Washington Carver. I mean, he 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 figured out uh, the you know depleting the soil was ruining you know southern farming and rotation of crops and so forth. So this this is all. You know, we talk about we talk about uh, general revelation. We talk about uh, uh, natural law. We talk about stewardship and so forth. Christians should be at the forefront of all this. At the same time. Uh, I think the global warming thing is absolutely ridiculous and is a political facade, but we should be the best stewards of of the things that God has given us. Yeah, because you need special revelation in order to properly interpret general revelation. General revelation doesn't interpret itself. Exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's not just something that, that everybody looks at and, and walks away with the same 
you know, it's the it's the the watchmaker uh, um, analogy. You know, you you look at a watch and it automatically points to a watchmaker. Well, then an evolutionist comes along and is like, well, no, you give it a, you, you give enough time and 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 chance processes, and that can that can kind of happen. That just happens by chance. Yeah. In, in fact, if you if you follow the evolutionary model regarding the Earth and de, the spoiling the Earth, you might say, why isn't that evolutionarily profitable? Maybe yeah. some new new species will arise as a result of that. There is really no basis within the the atheistic worldview in order to you know, preserve the Earth. And it's I always find it interesting about. Uh, uh, Scientists want to go to other planets because they believe that Earth is is you know is, has been spoiled by man. Right, right. And so, what are they going to do when they go to this we're, new pro- new planet? Yeah, you know, they're ta- every they forget they forget that the problem is is man himself is, is and and them included. So exactly, every, everybody thinks that they can they can rise above that that they have a better idea. I I, I remember years ago, um, R.C. Sproul Jr. was was talking about something and and, and he said. Um, in the next presidential election, I'm, I'm going to vote for whoever it was because the most perfect candidate isn't running because I'm not on the ballot, and and, and that's exactly right. I mean, everybody thinks that 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 they have all the world's problems figured out. Nobody's going to necessarily say that. Nobody's going to come out and say, "Yep, I got it all figured out." I'm not, but but in your mind, you kind of because you weigh everybody else's opinions in light of your own. Exactly. Yeah, and this actually fits with what we're going to talk about. Uh, because a lot of people see what's happening in the in the world you know today as a prelude to the end of the world, right? Uh, based upon uh, passages like Matthew chapter twenty four, Mark thirteen, and Luke twenty one, where the the great tribulation is described. Right. And David Chilton covers this in the kind of the middle part of Paradise Restored. Right. So it's very specific, exegetical work, a verse by verse analysis of. Um, the Olivet Discourse and the Great Tribulation. Right. So, um, yeah. So th- this is a uh, a Paradise Restored episode, believe it or not. And uh, so we're talking about Chapter Ten, the Great the, the Great Tribulation, which uh, David begins saying that uh, Scripture interprets Scripture. So uh, one of the famous or or uh, popular phrases that that. That that came out of the Reformation, and 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 really going back all the way to the to the early church, but even even back to Augustine, um, is the the analogy of faith. Um, one of the things that that Augustine said is that the the new, meaning the New Testament, the new is in the old, concealed, and the old is in the new revealed, revealed. which 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 means, first of all, the Bible is one story. It 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 doesn't. It doesn't change just because it's the New Testament doesn't mean that 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 that, that like er, you know put the brakes on throw that one away we're starting all over yeah, again. Yeah, Greg, Greg Bonson he instead of saying the Old Testament he just he said the Older Testament. Uh, yeah, well, which good, put yeah. put more of a continuity between the two. There right. was not a complete break. And right. Of course, a lot of people try to make that com- complete break. Yeah, and and that was was a thing that that this is R.C. Sproul Senior. Now he said one of the most uninspired pages in the in the in the Bible is the one that says the New Testament, because <laughs> because you it's a blank page. You flip it, the New Testament is like oh yeah, now we're onto something else. No, this is just like Augustine said. You know the 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 old is in the new revealed, or, or is 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 that right? Yeah, the old the old is it, it gets a little confusing, but the the old the old it, 
what he's saying is that the New Testament is 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 the world's best commentary on the Old Testament. And you cannot you cannot understand you cannot understand the uh, the the New Testament without the without Old Testament. Without the Old, right? I mean, even when you're look, when you're looking at Ma- at Matthew 24, for example, uh, you'll you'll find a lot of of references to the Old Testament, right? In, in, in verse 15 about the abomination of desolation. Let the reader understand. Uh, when you get to the, the the section on sun, moon, and stars, Jesus is quoting from uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 13, and Ezekiel. Um, and the, the you know the idea of tribulation it's it, you know again it's an old testament older right. testament concept as well right so david says the new testament was written in the first century and so we must try to understand it in terms of its first century readers which is often what we don't try to do yeah, it's that is that is always the case and you want to you want to find out what a piece of literature is about I don't, even if even if it's not the bible you have to read it in the context of that era. If you want to understand the Constitution, for example, you better you've got to go back and look at the era, the vocabulary that's yeah. even used is so say, important. So define what what when people say literal, what do they what do they actually mean? Well, or or maybe not what 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 they actually mean, but but, but what should they mean when they say literal? When when the, the the literal interpretation of the Bible is to to be technically accurate is to interpret the Bible according to its literature. Okay, that's what literal means. Right. But a lot of people, when they hear the word literal, and you get into a lot of problems with their idea. Well, it says it says this, and so therefore it's got to be that. Well, and then you start putting them to the test. So are you saying that there's, you know, a dragon and uh, that a third of the stars, you know, fell, you know, uh, were sw- swept away by the tail of this dragon, they fell to earth. So you have to you say, well, that's what it says. Yeah, but is that what the author actually meant by right. that? And right. then how do you determine what's literal in this in that use of the term? And how do you determine what's literal in terms of according to the literature? Then that takes practice. You've right. got to use how you go back to the Old Testament and you see how uh, uh, certain events are explained. I think I think it's I think it's Psalm 18. Uh, Psalm 18 describes a a uh, battle that David has against Saul, and it even states in the in in, in the preface to it as to what this is. Okay. But when you read it, it sounds apocalyptic. Sure. It sounds end of the worldish. But when you go back and look at the historical record as to actually what happened, you won't see any of those things in there. Yeah. Is this a contradiction in the Bible? Not at all. It's the literature is different. So when you read Psalm 18, you have to read it in terms of the type of literature it is. And then when you go look at the historical record, you have to in, interpret it in terms of that. And it doesn't mean in the historical record there might not be metaphors and similes right. and equivocation and, um, well, when equivocation wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be it, but hyperbole and, and, and so forth. There's going to be a mix, mixture of literary uh, forms with, with, within even historical analysis. Yeah, and, and nowhere is that, is that in the New Testament, nowhere is that, is that made more evident in something like the Olivet Discourse. Um, and David quotes uh, Matthew twenty four thirty four. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So, of, of course, all the things mentioned in Matthew twenty four. David writes, this means that everything Jesus spoke of in this passage, at least up to verse thirty four, 
took place before the generation then living passed away. Wait a minute, you say? Everything? The witnessing to all nations, the tribulation, the coming of Christ on the clouds, the stars falling, everything? Yes, and incidentally, this point is a very good test of your commitment to the principle we began with this in, that, that we began with in this chapter. Scripture interprets scripture. Yeah. You have to you have to you have to stick with it. You can't just you can't just say, and that's what he says here. I said, and you nodded your head and yawned, thinking, sure, I know all that. Get to the point. Where do the atomic blasts and killer bees come in? <laughs> the Lord Jesus declared that this generation, people then living, would not pass away before the things he prophesied took place. The question is, do you believe him? Yeah, and this is when I, okay, I became a Christian in 1973. And in 1970, Hal Lindsey came out with the late great planet Earth. And I was introduced to the late great planet Earth in 19, 1973. And I didn't know anything about the Bible. So I started. You know, that was fascinating to me because it does talk about, you know, Russia and atomic weapons and all that sort of thing. I didn't have killer bees, but um, uh, I think that was the Houston Astros. Weren't the killer bees once the two or three of the Houston Astros players, uh, Bagwell? uh, But anyway, um, and I think that was a Saturday Night Live thing, too. You get it all here on the Gary DeMar podcast. what, what, what What you end up finding out, though, is is that... By comparing Scripture with Scripture, you can determine what, what kind of language Jesus is using and where did he borrow it from. And when I was, a, like I said, a new Christian in 1973, uh, Paradise Restored didn't exist. Okay. I didn't know anything about hermeneutics, how you interpret the Bible, methodology, and so forth. But typically, it was... You know, read the Bible, you know, wars and rumors of wars, they're happening today, famines in various places, they're happening today, uh, uh, preaching the gospel in all the world. Well, that hasn't happened yet, so Jesus isn't coming yet. And so that's what most Christians were brought up to believe. Right. And it sounds reasonable. Yeah. And that uh, becomes your definition of literal. Yes. And and then every time you read the Bible, you read it in terms of that. Yeah. But even so, wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes, I think Jesus is describing things that are the way the word literal is understood today. I believe that there were literally, physically, I use the word physically, physically earthquakes, physically famines, and uh, physically wars. Right. Uh, you know, those things, in fact, took you know took place before that generation passed away. And what really got me on this, I don't know where David, how David came to this particular point. We were at Reform Seminary together. I don't know what, where the light came on for him, but the light came on for me when I picked up a book uh, by Marcellus Kick. It was just on Matthew 24. That was, the twi- that was actually the title of the book, Matthew 24. And I read it, and what Kick was doing, because I put prophecy down, because after I started reading the New Testament, beginning with the Gospel of Matthew, I could not reconcile anything with late great planet Earth with what I was reading in the gospel okay. because in Matthew chapter 10 it says, you will not finish right. going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Right. So, well, wait a minute. That's Which, sounds... that needs to be taken literally as well. Yeah. So that and, and that's a that's a specific time reference, and this is one of the specific audience. Specific specific, uh, specific audience. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. And we know that Jesus is talking about them because the very beginning of uh, Matthew chapter ten, that's the audience who to whom Jesus is speaking. Right. Then I get you get in Matthew sixteen. Uh, 27, 28, there's some standing here who will not taste death until they see right. the Son of Man come in his kingdom. So now we're we're back to time again. There are some standing here 
who will not taste death. Right. So I so then I get to Matthew 24 and I get that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. I put one and one and one together and I got three and it seems I said it seems to be saying here that Jesus was going to return in some capacity before that generation passed away. Yeah, otherwise, you have to ignore all those things that, that you just read that are very specific. Right. But I didn't know where to go. Yeah. So I went to the library and I got a, uh, a commentary on Matthew by William Hendrickson. And William Hendrickson did not do what Marcellus Kick did, and that is actually compared how the Bible uses the phrase this generation elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay. And every time Jesus uses the, the phrase this generation in the Gospels, it always refers to the generation to whom Jesus is speaking. And so I was stuck. But what Marcellus Kick did and what David Chilton does and what I've done in Last Day's Madness, Wars and Rumors of Wars, I... They, they and I take you through showing, comparing Scripture with Scripture, that Jesus was not referring to some future generation. He was referring to that generation, that generation alone. Right. So David David points out uh, seven signs of the end from from Matthew Matthew 24. Uh, one, the first one being false messiahs. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will, uh, will mislead many. Wars, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Natural disasters, so earthquakes, famines, those types of things. Are any of these things mentioned in the Bible? Anywhere, oh, sure. As, as actually happened in the first well, of course. I mean, Jesus is crucified, and what, what happens? There's an earthquake. Right. You go into the, the, the book, book of, of Acts, Acts what yep. happens? An earthquake. Yeah. Um, famine. I think it's Acts chapter 11. There's going to be a famine all over the world. The, the Greek word there is oikumene. That is all, all over the Roman Empire. Very similar to what Joseph encountered um, with with the famine in I think I think Genesis chapter forty forty one same type of language is used but right. it's obvious that this was not something that was over the the globe but it was over their world the Hebrew word is eretz and it means land and the same thing is is kind of used in Matthew chapter twenty four so there were famines during that period of time Acts talks about it there were false prophets yep of First uh, John uh, chapter four talks about false prophets. Peter talks about false prophets. Right. And, and, and and Paul does too, that, 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 that wolves are going to arise you know, upon his departure. When he's, yeah, Acts chapter 20, from your own midst they're right. going to come. Right. Uh, uh, while Matthew 24 doesn't mention antichrists, but John mentions the only place you will find the, the, the term antichrist is in 1 John and, and 2 John. And they were in existence in John's day, and there were many of them. Uh, so this, you have to pay attention to the audience relevance. Who's to whom is Jesus first speaking? Secondly, you have to you have to talk. You have to uh, figure out the time element. This generation will not pass away until all these things take right. place. Plus, the other element, I don't know if David mentions. He pro- probably does. But the audience reference in Matthew chapter 24 is a second-person plural. When you see wars and rumors, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, when you see this, when you see this, Jesus was referring to them. And like I mentioned, every time this generation is used in the Gospels, it always refers to the generation to whom Jesus is speaking. Yeah, in the South we say y'all. Yeah, 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 right. Y'all are going to see this. You don't see this, you don't see it in, in... English translations of the King, the King James Version does, in fact, make a distinction between the singular and the plural of you. Okay. And you can see it. Uh, in English, you have to go by context. Right. 
but it's obvious that what Jesus has in mind there is the you of those people to whom Jesus, the, the question had been asked of Jesus, because Jesus had said, Jesus had said that their house was going to be left to them desolate. Right. And then they come back and they question Jesus about this. And then Jesus says, you see this temple? It's, it's going right. to be torn down. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. And yeah. that's what precipitates the Olivet Discourse. Right. And that and that's where, um, so the other, so we, we mentioned the first three. The last the last ones are, are number four is persecution. We, we've already talked about persecution. There was, there was plenty of persecution. Uh, apostasy, you know, falling away. The, the, uh, false prophets, false false Christs. Uh, worldwide evangelism is, is number six, and then number seven is what is what you just mentioned: the abomination of desolation. Yeah, um, yeah. Notice what it says: when you see right. the abomination of desolation. Now, if Jesus had some future generation in mind, he would have said, "Now, when the when the abomination of desolation appears, it doesn't say that. It says when you see this." And then the, the one that really tri- trips up people is the gospel. Are you saying that the gospel had been preached to the whole world before yeah. that generation passed away? Yeah. No, I'm not. The Bible yeah, is. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I said, what? And I always, when I, when I deal uh, with, uh, with people on this, uh, here's the question I ask. What would convince you? What would be the only thing that would convince you, ultimately convince you, that the gospel had been preached the in the entire world before that generation passed away. What would be the only thing? And a lot of people don't know what to say. I said, the Bible. Sure, if, yeah, yeah. if the Bible says that the gospel had been preached in the whole world before that generation passed away, you would believe it, wouldn't yeah. you? Well, yeah, 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 we're back to what, 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 what David said. Do you believe Jesus? Yeah, yeah. And, if, and of course, uh, Romans 1 says it, Romans 1.8, uh, uh, Colossians 1.6, Colossians 1.23, I think on that interview I did yesterday, I call it Colossians one twenty six, but I can't remember. It's one twenty three or one twenty six. I think it's one twenty three. Uh, to all the nations, actually, yeah. it, it, Jesus says all the nations. Well, you look at Romans chapter sixteen. The gospel had been preached to all the nations. Right. Now, again, letting the Bible interpret itself, Paul is using that phraseology in terms of his period of time. Right. In terms of all the nations. Yep. And in fact, the Bible, the, the gospel had in fact been preached to all the nations. In fact, in, um, in, in, in Colossians 1.23, says that the gospel had been preached to every creature, creature. under heaven. Yeah. I mean, think of that. Yep. But I, that's the hyperbole. Right. But I think what Paul was saying here, no distinctions. Yeah. What was being done here, this wasn't just the gospel going to the Jews. This was the gospel going to uh, the, the world, the nations. Yeah. yeah, to the nations, yeah. all the nations, right. uh, not just Israel, but to the eth- to the ethnoi, the 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 all all the nations. Yeah. So in um, in talking about the abomination of desolation, then uh, David quotes from from Luke, which Luke gives a little bit more information about about what the abomination of desolation actually is. He says, or or, or the Bible says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is at hand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are in the midst of the city depart. And let not those who are in the country enter the city, because these are the days of vengeance, in order that all the things that are written may be fulfilled. And that's that's Luke 21, uh, verses 20 through, through 22. Yeah, so he, Luke does something different. He adds this thing about when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Yeah. I don't believe the abomination of desolation is Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Okay. 
it says when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know it's it's it's, it's desolation, desolation is at hand. Is, is at hand. Yeah. The abomination. God wouldn't destroy the temple for something the Romans did. Okay. I think that's an important point that's often missed because people say, oh, that's the abomination of desolation when the Romans came in and put their their uh, idol, um, idolatry with their um, shields and so forth would have the emblems of Rome on it. Well, why would God d- destroy the temple for something Rome did? The abomination was something that the Jews did that resulted in its desolation. Okay. Um, so anyway, and the and the fact is that he that Luke and and Matthew talk about leave the city, get out of the city. And in 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 Matthew's gospel, it says, "Don't go back for your cloak." Uh, you know, get out of town. Yeah. Go go to the hills outside of uh, out of uh, Judea. Come down from the rooftop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. When, when's the last time you were get on off the your roof? roof. Yeah. Uh, which is a, which tells you this was a local tribulation, local tribulation. Period. Yeah, because if this if this is for today or or our future, then which city, which. Like yeah. All cities? Are we supposed to? Are, are we, we supposed, supposed to, to go back every to every city? Ju- do, we, do we have to go to the hills outside of Judea to escape this? Yeah, to to not go into in yeah into Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. This is a and this was something that could be could be escaped on foot. Uh, this is very similar to the Sodom and Gomorrah story, where Lot and his family are told to get out of the city. And once you get out of the city and head to the hills, right. you will be saved right. because what's going to come is a conflagration that, that destroyed Sodom and a conflagration that was going to destroy Jerusalem. And God gave a 40-year warning about all of this. So this, this, is, this is a local judgment. And that doesn't mean that we don't have tribulation today, but the, the great tribulation that's being described there is a, a, the, the greatest tribulation because it was the end of of the old covenant order, and it made a radical change in terms of God's relationship right. with Israel. Yeah. That's why it's called the great, the great tribulation. Right, and the, and and that's essentially what what David says here. Uh, he says the great tribulation was to take place not at the end of history, but in the middle, for nothing similar had occurred from the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. Thus, the prophecy of the tribulation refers to the destruction of the temple in that generation, AD 70, in that generation alone. It cannot be made to fit into some double fulfillment scheme of interpretation. The great tribulation of AD 70 was an absolutely unique event never to be repeated. Exactly. And people, they, oh, it wasn't the great. You're, you're looking at this, you're looking at this in worldwide scope rather than in focus uh, Israel Jerusalem scope. Right. That's that's what. And in fact, you go back to Matthew chapter ten. You will not finish going through the cities of of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Right. This was a message that was to go to the Jew first, and that and and in fact, the Book of Acts. They they go out. They start in Jerusalem. They go to, to you know to Judea. They go to Samaria. Then they go to the remotest you know parts of of of, of the land. When that's all finished. And this warning is given. There is going to be this and this generational end destruction of the edifice that was a shadow of the things to come. Right. Because Jesus is now the temple. Jesus is now the animal sacrifice, and Jesus is now the high priest. Right. You don't need that edifice anymore. If the right. Jews had said, "Hey, we all believe in Jesus now. Let's turn this into a museum." Yep, might have said, "It'll, it'll, it, let's let it stand." But no, Jesus, that we got rid of it. And then. 
And instead, it, the exact opposite, uh, David, David quotes from Matthew, Matthew 27, let him be crucified, let him be crucified, his blood be on us and yeah, on our children. children. The apostates had cried 40 years earlier. When it was all over, more than a million Jews had been killed in the siege of Jerusalem. The days of vengeance had come with horrifying, unpitying intensity. In breaking her covenant, the holy city had become the Babylonish whore, and now she was a desert, the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird, which is from Revelation 18. So the the city, the temple being the paramount, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of the city, that, that being the most visible kind of smoking gun, Literally a, a smoking rubble, but the, but the entire city was 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 laid waste because because they they didn't recognize you know Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not yeah um, his, his his blood be on us and on our children this is this is the basic way of understanding those those passages but what the modern system has to do is say oh we got to do this all over again oh yeah we got to do now we got to do it all over again we got to rebuild the temple again the temple has to be rebuilt. Uh, we got the, the priesthood has to be reestablished. Animal sacrifices have to be reinstituted, and then an antichrist is going to come and all that, and they're going to destroy it again. And two thirds of the Jews living in Israel at that particular time are going to be slaughtered. And and my question to that is always: so then, what did Jesus accomplish? Yeah, what did Jesus first come? What did it what, what did it actually accomplish? Apparently, nothing. Yeah, it's a hor- it's a horrible system that needs to be done away with, and 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 I believe. Uh, that it's uh, this modern system has made Christians pliable, easily led into believing that there's nothing they can do in order to change anything because it's a prophetic inevitability that this this end is 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 always upon us. Right. Well, that's a good, maybe not a good place to stop, but it's a good place to put the comma or the semicolon, and we'll pick up with chapter eleven uh, next week. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. For more information on Worldview Resources, visit AmericanVision.org and don't forget to subscribe to the Gary DeMar podcast available on iTunes and Spotify. See you next week on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Network.